0: I, I'm working with an
1: Avenger. I've got your next target. Maybe you'd like a shot at the man responsible for your sister's death.
0: we saving the holidays. Oh,
1: this is some Christmas.
2: Bonus episode.
3: There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a warm rat But it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers kicking up the straps Dropped by the cool kids
4: It's a trap!
3: security good do we love it? Hey, let's face it, teen erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture pushed over pop culture leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's his day's already been said? Let's so sure go Only talent is the band that's singing. There's pop culture leftovers. One, two, three,
2: Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers.
5: Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're we're the the Leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, that's how we intro these uh, bonus episodes, Jake. We just don't, we don't mess around.
4: Yeah, I like it. Short and sweet.
5: Short and sweet. I've been called that before, Jake. No. No, i hadn't, it's never been. <laughs> I've been called short but never sweet. Um let's see here. All right, yeah, we got guests this week. Got uh uh from Starkcast, uh Joe Stark. Welcome, Joe.
6: Hey, happy to be
5: here. Hey, how are you doing, man?
4: Hey. hey. That
5: was fun. All right. <laughs> right out of the gate mocking our guest Jake. <laughs>
4: You gotta be you.
5: I know. And uh thank you. Jake. Jake says that like, unfortunately Brian has to be Brian. (laughs) Hello, sorry, my Skype cut out. (laughs) I didn't introduce you yet, Paul, so nobody would have known, but now they do. No, it's fine. It's It's fine. It It, is fucking I, I, a lot of people there just thought you woke up, so. Touche. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're like, oh, Paul must have just woken up from his nap. Um, There's snooze alarm for yeah. a second there. If you guys didn't listen to, and he's going to hate me bringing this up, but nope. if, if you guys didn't listen to the Spider-Man final, uh, the final No Way Home trailer episode, Paul fell asleep at the end of that one. <laughs> and uh, I really don't think he, I. I think you should just own it. And honestly, it should just be kind of like your gimmick, you know, like when fucking uh, Urkel says, "Did I do that?" Or you know, fucking. Arnold, did
7: I fall asleep? Y- yeah,
5: it's like Paul's just like that's my thing. That's my gimmick. That's what I do. I fall asleep.
7: Hey, <laughs> when I did? Yes, yes, and I did. Like I feel terrible, but I will own it. That that's a thing that happened, and. Thank you for having me back on. I was petrified the next day to, to go on Facebook.
4: Yeah, we're doing a shorter episode. It seemed like the perfect time to have you back on, Paul.
5: What's yeah? The, yeah. Well, before we – we're going to talk about Hawkeye episode four, everybody. Don't worry about that. What's the difference between petrified and mortified?
4: Mm, mortified is really scared, and petrified can be like an actual like chemical change, right?
5: No, but I, let's not talk about the chemical change part of it. Let's talk about the petrified.
7: Is, is petrified more of a surprise scare? Maybe,
5: yeah.
6: I think uh, mortified is a, an emotional uh, thing, whereas petrified is more of a physical thing.
5: Okay, so you can't move when you're petrified. Exactly. Okay. But when
6: you're mortified, it's, it's affecting you emotionally. Petrified is something that affects a physical state.
5: So you can be mortified and run around the room. Yes. Well, you can do push-ups. You can do push-ups as you're mortified, right?
7: This <laughs> scares me so it's much. Like, I'm going to work doing, out. I'm just, I'm, just disgusted.
5: I'm doing P90X, but I am mortified right now.
7: I'm on my Peloton.
5: <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, did a, uh, we did a uh, bonus Patreon episode last week. If you don't have Patreon, you didn't get to hear it, but, Check this out, Jake. You were on your first Patreon episode, and uh, I did a I did a Patreon episode with one listener, uh, Fernando Aurelia, and we talked about Marvel stuff on that episode. And that post got ten hearts. Your post last time I checked had three. Mm. Your episode had three hearts. His had ten hearts. Um, I've come to the decision: my new co-host is going to be Fernando Aurelio.
4: Oh, well, congratulations, Fernando.
5: Welcome, Fernando. <laughs> I just Fernando, I want to bring you on. Here and Jake, we're gonna be saying goodbye to you now. No, I'm kidding. He's not here. That whole thing was just <laughs> that was a, just a gag, Jake. I <laughs> Jake, were you were you petrified or mortified? I was say, don't be petrified.
4: I am, I'm putting away the party streamers. <laughs> I, I guess I have no need for these now. Jake's like
5: static. Jake's like Fuck! I don't get my Saturday nights back. God damn it! <laughs> Welcome to my hell, Fernando. Uh, I do want to read an email that we got here before we jump into Hawkeye episode four. Uh And this one comes from John Clark. Hey Brian and Jake, I just wanted to write you a quick email. I almost em you. I almost what, what was it? I just wanted to write you a quick emu. <laughs> I uh, just wanted to say your pronunciation is always on point, Brian. Jake – oh, no, he does not say that. Um, Just wanted to write
4: <laughs> – It would be accurate.
5: Yeah. I just wanted to write you a quick email to say I've never met you, but I've spent a fuck ton of time listening to you both and all the PCL alumni talk and banter every week. And I love you guys. You are awesome. You're all Awesome. Thanks for all the work you put into the podcast and all the content you put out regularly. Uh, people always want t- to voice their stupid-ass thoughts when they're mad. Not often enough do we as people take time to voice our appreciation for things. Anyways, thanks. Uh, th- anyways, that's it. Thanks for all you guys do, and I hope you're doing well. Sincerely, John Clark. Love that email, Jake. I mean, it is true. You get a lot of... Uh, negative uh, feedback out there on the old interwebs and, and emails and stuff like that. It's just nice when somebody says an email uh, and, and says, hey, thanks, I enjoy what you do.
4: Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's always the people that are upset that are the first that want to email and let you know. It's it's not as often that people are just like, you know, thank you for doing what you do. I know. I I want to say my
5: favorite thing, Jake, is when we've had zero interactions with a particular listener on, let's say, I don't know, Twitter. And you can see that they literally follow you. It shows them on Twitter. They have followed you. This person so and so has followed you immediately followed by like a correction or something from your last episode. It's like, it's like, listen, I've listened to you for I don't know how long. Never told you I enjoyed the program, the, you know, listening to you guys. Never told you I enjoyed the podcast, but I'm going to follow you now and then tell you guys what you got wrong on the last podcast. This is going to be our first interaction. It's like, oh my God, I hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: After 20 episodes, I'm going to tell you how to pronounce this celebrity's name correctly. Right. That's, that's how I want to make my, my entrance into this community. It's
5: worse because it's like a slap in the face. It's like, okay, now they're following us too. They followed us just for that reason to let us know what our fuck ups were, what our, de- what our shortcomings are as, as podcast hosts, Jake.
4: Oh yeah. I love it. It's so great.
5: Uh, I may or may not mute those people. I don't just throwing it out there. (laughs) What's nice impressions matter. Seriously, it does. And so like, yeah, I may or may not muted certain people. It's just like, yeah.
4: Every now and again, those people can have a redemption arc, though. I always remember that's how we met Neil.
5: Yeah, that's true. I just, I th- more times than not, though, they don't. And so they're probably, they might be wonderful people messaging me on Twitter. And I have no idea because I muted them like six, seven months
4: ago. <laughs> yeah we've got one neil we don't need another
5: yeah exactly <laughs>
4: all right
5: let's uh do a breakdown here of hawkeye episode four title of the episode was partners am i right and it's directed by burton birdie written by aaron Kensino and heather quinn we're gonna hold off on our ratings of this one to the very end uh but yeah, let's get into this one. I've got a lot that I'm going to be talking about in this one, a lot of theories that I want to go over. Um some of those being so you know like um you know, let's I I definitely later want us to be talking about the watch. I want to talk about the Ronin suit. I do want to be talking about like, you know, who do we think is doing certain things? But uh we'll break down this episode uh the best that we can and tackle these. I last episode we were left off with Jack Duquesne holding the sword to Clint's throat and uh this episode Eleanor comes in and she looks surprised to see an avenger in her apartment and uh what did you guys did was this I mean this just makes sense did we really think that
4: like this major fight was going to happen between these two mm I I thought it was going to happen I thought we were going to see these two go at it. I, I, I didn't think yeah, like if if they, they
5: if they if they did, I didn't think it was even going to go long uh, on long because Kate's there. So,
4: yeah, I, I thought it would be some form of like actual touching each other, just like uh, at least something. I, I was yeah. surprised at the at the nothing at all of it.
6: Okay. What did you What were you I saying, figured Joe? With all those swords everywhere around that penthouse, it just seemed like a given.
5: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I just didn't, I I didn't think that they were wanting to really give away the fact that Jack is like going to be like this amazing swordsman until like later in the series. We've only got like a tease of that when he, you know, was parrying with Kate and then did that one move after, you know, she thought he wasn't looking. And then all of a sudden, like, he uses his sword to, you know, um, uh, knock her sword out of her hands, and it's just spinning on the floor. I think like, they're just holding on to like what an amazing swordsman he is until probably I would imagine either the next episode or the final episode.
7: Well, yeah, you saved that like 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 to me. I was not surprised you got broken because I feel like you saved that fight for the finale.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good point. Hawkeye is talking to. Uh, talking about Kate um, to Eleanor, and basically you know they all have a sit down and and he tells uh, Eleanor after the sit down talk that she 's pretty good at all this and then Eleanor kind of brings up you know an avenger too uh, to Hawkeye, saying Natasha Romanoff was pretty damn good at it. Being good enough isn't enough to keep you alive, Clint. Do you have kids? And then he doesn't say anything. He doesn't want to give away any information. She says, "I'm going to assume that you have kids." Do you think she's done some research on yeah, Clint? Yeah, I bet, I bet oh, she okay, knows yeah. that he
4: does for sure.
5: But I mean, that's something that nobody really knew. I mean the the house he had, and the wife, the wife and kids, and stuff like that. That's stuff like all off the books from Shield too i mean it's not like you can't get on google and type in like we do like you know is clint barton married does clint barton have kids and it won't show up i mean they like they're off the books from even shields records that's like what nick fury set up for him so i don't know even with her having like this security um company and knowing all these things i don't know if she's gonna know that clint has a family and kids and things like that
7: well, like, I don't want to, like, I, like, I know this probably to be safe for later, but someone else later in the episode knows that. Well, yeah, makes me,
5: yeah. yeah, but which that's, that's all stuff that they could have gotten from the watch. You see, I mean, that's all stuff. Yeah, I'm not, okay. They didn't do a Google search to find out that information is what I'm saying. Like, this is. Like this is sure. like okay. this is like witness protection program CIA shit going on here even to the point where like the CIA doesn't know about it this and shield doesn't know about it this is like Do, do you guys see what I'm saying the, am I making yeah, sense absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yes, but absolutely, yeah.
4: But it, If it, she were it, to know already she would have had to have figured it out from some kind of you know nefarious means not just Google or whatever, but I still think it's possible she knew and she did go through those nefarious means somehow.
6: Well, in the first episode, he was all over New York City with his kids, and he's famous. He was getting recognized and thanked in places he was going. And if Eleanor owns a security company, she probably probably wouldn't be that hard to find out that Clint Barton has been seen around New York City with four kids. That's true. Three kids.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't. I didn't. You know, with like the they made kind of like a big deal about that. I believe in Age of Ultron you know Mm -hmm. about the yeah his family kind of being off the off the grid and everything like that so nobody really knows where they live in like missouri and shit like that so even you know so yeah um eleanor then says i cannot lose kate i cannot lose kate so you'll forget this case and clint is basically like no i have to go through with this and I, and then we immediately get, like, the phone call that when Clint leaves, Eleanor makes this phone call. And she gets on the phone and says, could you please, could you call me back, please? It's urgent. So she calls someone. Who do you guys think she's calling? I have, you know, I have a theory on who I believe she may have called. Who do you guys think she called? Um...
7: I, like, I I would like to think it was Julia Louise Dreyfuss' character.
5: Oh, Val. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we, we know that we see, you know, that's who I think it is, too. We see Yelena at the end of this episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I definitely think that she could have called Val, um it's definitely a possibility i don't know who else she would have called in that moment i mean i guess people can speculate maybe she called kingpin but i have a lot i want to or for
6: or if kate's dad is still alive like i was speculating after those first couple episodes because it still seems suspicious to me that they aged that actor down yeah for those scenes with kate that well it just seems like you we should get a Older version of it at some point if they'd have gone through the trouble to do that. Yeah, yeah, and we never saw a body. Never saw a body. So oh, I mean, yeah. it could have been that it, she could have been calling him. Yeah. Yeah, the kingpin answer is too cheeky. I, I, I
4: don't think there's any possibility that's the case with that.
5: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, Clint gets a return phone call from Laura uh, after texting her. Uh, to get info on Sloan limited. So yeah, we find out the last episode that, you know, Kazi was hired, uh, by, uh, Sloan limited. And, uh, so Clint gets in the elevator and texts Laura and, uh, basically she, he finds out from Laura that Sloan limited is the track suits and, um, and Sloan is, is their front. Um, and then she finds out that, uh, Jack Duquesne is the CEO and that he's laundering money for the big guy, the big guy being uncle that we saw in the third episode, who we don't know who it is, but it's either going to be Kingpin. And if they really want to piss us off, it'll be Derek. Yeah. Hmm. So does Val possibly work for Kingpin? I don't think so, but I want to know what you guys think.
4: I don't think those two characters are connected. I, I I'm just not seeing it. I I think Val is definitely uh, like a bad character, but I don't think she's like considers herself bad and would work with like a mob boss like that.
6: Yeah, because it doesn't. It seems like more Val is connected to somebody in the government, or or at least. You know, parallel to the government and, and not the criminal world. So I'm, I'm leaning against them having a connection.
5: I'm thinking she, I still think she works and I've talked about this in the past. I, think, I still think that she works for Thaddeus, uh, General Ross. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah,
4: I buy it, that completely too. I,
5: I, there's uh, a point in the Falcon and Winter Soldier when Val is talking to John Walker. She, says by the way don't worry about the shield it doesn't really belong to the government it's kind of a legal gray area and so i think that with that kind of intel that she's probably more on the government side of things and probably working for general ross
4: yeah and just the thunderbolts connection too makes it seem very likely that that's the case
5: well i mean it's uh, yeah. It's like I, I people keep saying like it's it, he she's setting up a Thunderbolts team or she's setting up a Dark Avengers team or a Secret Avengers team or whatever. I think it's all like whatever it is. It's all like the same, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I am going to be jumping around a little bit in this episode. I I just assume that everybody listening to this one has watched the episode. Um, we find out from Laura that Jack is the CEO of Sloan limited, which is working with the track suits. So if Eleanor is connected, like this goes against like Eleanor being part of the, the track suit mafia and, and that whole side of the business, if Eleanor is connected to the track suits, why do we have at the end of this episode, Maya and Yelena battling each other on the roof? Wouldn't you think that they would kind of be like on the same side of things at that point?
6: I don't think Eleanor is connected to the track suits. I, that, that's
5: what I'm saying. I, this is like yeah. my, my point is that if Eleanor it was connected to the track suits, why have both like M- Maya, who's a part of the track suits, battling Yelena on the roof at the end. Yeah. Because that's that's what happens. You've got, like, I I would think that you've got one side of it, the tracksuits on one side. You've got, I think you've got, like, three different groups here fighting. You've got Hawkeye and the Avengers fighting, you know, Hawkeye fighting, and then you've got Eleanor with her connection with Val showing up, Yelena, and then you've got Maya in the tracksuits battling they're all going against like those two are going against clint for different reasons but they're all there i don't think that eleanor is connected to the track suits even though jack jack is
4: and yeah i, mean, I think it's like a mr and mrs smith kind of thing i think they're both unaware of the other thing that they're doing secretly behind each other's back
5: it might be because i it, it, maybe because like we don't know what Ar- armand has talked to with jack about anything before he died because like Armand says in I think it was like the first episode, I've got powerful friends too, the kind you don't want to mess with. So maybe he you know, Armand, maybe Armand was talking about, you know, being friends with Kingpin and the tracksuits, and Eleanor is, you know, her powerful friends could be Val or Derek, whatever Derek's doing. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. follow that. So Jack's not necessarily like the top rung or anything. Just, you know, he's still worried about the big man, the uncle, like coming and getting him if he's out of line.
5: And another reason that I think that maybe Eleanor contacted Val and Val was then bringing in Yelena. Of course, we know about like the, you know, the post credit scene with Yelena in in black widow and she's shown the tablet uh showing you know Clint in the ronin suit he's in the ronin suit when she shows him that and she says this you know this is the guy responsible for uh, Natasha's death anyway if what i thought was interesting in this i think Eleanor might have contacted Val and said listen i know where he is you know he's getting involved in this business and shit and we need to take him out. And, but nobody hurts Kate. That's my, that's the deal. Nobody hurts Kate because at the end of this episode on the rooftop battle, Yelena is going after Clint and Yelena throws Kate off the rooftop. But before she does that, she attaches a cable and carabiner to Kate's belt so that she doesn't fall to her death. And so a yeah. lot of people have been looking at that scene like, um, you know, like at the end, at the very end when, you know, she's going to take the shot. Kate's going to take the – Kate goes back up. Kate's going to take the shot at Yelena and she doesn't. They're looking at that as like, you know, she spared her life just like Clint spared N- Nata- uh, Natasha. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, on the flip – and I get that. But on the flip side – Yelena spared her first, and I think she knows it. She knows she knows she wasn't connected to anything when she went down there.
6: Yeah, that's totally true. I hadn't considered that before. That that yeah, because Yelena could have just tossed her off that building without clipping her in first. Yeah,
4: yeah. I don't. I don't think Yelena would be above killing if she needed to either. So her having an order not to do that makes a lot of sense as well.
5: Well, I mean, Yelena on the flip side, I mean, I know she's been a black widow and everything in the past, but I mean, she just got out of this and well, it was it's been a few years now because you know, the events of of um Black, black widow, widow take place, yeah, that take place right before Civil War. So, I mean, I think she's kind of, I think she's, I think she thinks that she's on the good side of things and she's been liberating widows ever since, as far as we know. So I don't know if she's still the same. Like, I think she'll kill when she has to kill, but I don't think she feels like in this moment, even if she didn't have a directive from Val or Eleanor, I don't think in this moment she's like, I'm going to kill that, that child that's with. I know she's 22, but yeah. she looks like a child.
4: She's probably not in the business of yeah, killing teenage mid 20 girls yeah. on the well, top. She's, she's yeah. 20.
5: She's 22 in the series, so I, don't, I. But I still don't think that she's like, okay, yeah, let me just kill this girl, and I'll, <laughs> I'll get back to Clint. So she attaches the carabiner because I do think that there's like a, you know, I don't know. It might have just been a directive for all we know that she's not to harm, that she's not to harm Kate.
4: Yeah, yeah, and Eleanor may not even have known Kate was going to be there. Like Eleanor may have bought into the fact that what she did was enough, and that Hawkeye and Kate weren't going to be side by side anymore. Yeah, so, it's hard saying, but I do like that theory that um, she possibly did give that directive, and and I also love the theory of that's why you know Kate didn't shoot Yelena at the end, like she knew why she going to kill someone that spared her life.
5: Yeah, and Clint knew it was her because he. Clint knew it was her. Like, I watched the episode, you know, uh, three times, and I I was like, how does Clint know it's Yelena? Because, like, when, when he unmasks her, it doesn't look like he gets a good look at her face before she, you know, fucking, like, tasers him with that device. But he knew it was her, and he knows that Black Widows are after them
4: now yeah and that makes sense. I mean he was close enough with Natasha that I'm sure they've they've had plenty of talks. Natasha knew about all of his his Ronin dealings as well, so it makes sense that he would have knowledge of who Yelina was,
5: yeah, yeah,
4: and the the widow program and all of that I'm,
5: yeah I, yeah well i I, don't, I, I mean I, he, somehow he knows who Yelena is, and it probably it has to come back to Natasha because he recognized her. As a widow. Um, So, oh, I also want to point out when uh, Kate falls off the roof, you hear the same music from Endgame when Black Widow dies on Vormir. So that's when, so he is, when he's looking down at Kate and, you know, she's hanging there and he yells at her, get out of here. Like he's, he's trying to protect her the way he tried to protect Nat.
4: That's fucking awesome. I didn't notice the music cue.
5: Yeah. 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 Um we get uh oh wait we, we get the uh we get a a cute little scene with with Jack and Eleanor dancing and Jack keeps getting, like, those sayings wrong. I, I like that quite a bit. I like that quite a bit. I thought that that was super funny. Like, he says something like, life moves pretty fast. You never know what you're going to get. And, he conf- you know, he confused the Ferris Bueller with, uh, with the Forrest Gomp and he mixed them together. little mashup. He's um,
6: very endearing in that scene to the point where I was like, I really don't want him to be a bad guy. Like, I, I hope he's just... He just happens to be a character named Jack Duquesne who's really dorky into swords. I felt
4: that too, but it made me think even more he was a bad guy. It was kind of like – because he got Kate's defenses down a little bit with how funny it was. Yeah. It was like, oh, boy. true.
7: (laughs) Yeah. We need more of him on shows. He's he's so great.
5: What's weird, Uh, though, is there's like this hero worship that Kate has for – Her dad, Derek, you know, he was like – she talked about in a previous episode how fearless he was. And then when he died, it's like then her like hero worship went over to Hawkeye. And so like now she's learning that, you know, Hawkeye is basically saying, I'm not a role model. He's like Charles Barkley back in like the fucking 90s saying, I'm not a role model. (laughs) And so he's like, I'm not a role model. And, you know, basically like – deconstructing like what it's like for him to be an Avenger saying like, it comes with baggage. It comes with pain. I'm not somebody to be looked up to. Do you think like this is preparing Kate for possibly like if Derek is still alive and involved in nefarious shit that it's kind of preparing her um, to come to terms with that just by seeing how, you know, Hawkeye isn't like what she pretended he was in her head. Cause she only saw that one fucking scene of him in her life. And, you know, like once, once her dad died, like everything was like bow and arrow and fencing and all this other stuff.
4: I like that, how it's more false perceptions that she has. Well, of, you know, who well, her it's, it's part, are. it's part of growing like, up
5: too. Right. Mm-hmm, go, mm-hmm. Go, ahead, go ahead, Paul. Isn't that kind of a dress
7: too, where, like, and I know this is probably going to be broken down, but like, I love how a lot of TV shows would take him the route where he lies, but he's like straight up with her where he's like, no, like I'm, I'm a weapon. Like I'm not a hero. Like, like I feel like he kind of lays. Oh no,
5: out that, that that's a hundred that's percent what I'm saying. Like we can take that conversation and, and put it in there too. I'm just saying like, are they showing us these kind of things with, with Clint and her relationship to kind of maybe so, I don't know, I'm not saying soften the blow, but get her ready for like another heartbreak, another heartbreak, like even on another level of finding out that her father, the guy that, you know, she thought was fearless and like this great guy might not be the guy that she thought he was when she was a kid. It's like all kind of like, it's like never meet your heroes, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so I think like maybe they're kind of, using Clint as a way to foreshadow that maybe Derek wasn't the guy that, you
4: know, she thought he was. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think the foreshadowing is definitely there, but I don't know how much good it's going to do to help Kate be mentally prepared for it. I feel like it's going to be just as big of a blow. I think it's more about the foreshadowing for the audience than it is for doing Kate any favors to be let down again by a hero.
5: Yeah. It's well, it's her, it's, it's, this is her father. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, This is her father. So, but even though Clint's not who she thought he was, I, she still has like this reverence for him. So I think that, you know, yeah. If Derek, it just turns out to be a flat out fucking piece of shit villain, then yeah, this is going to fucking destroy her.
4: Yeah, and Clint's obviously not being 100% with Kate about what he feels about his relationship with her. I mean, I think as an audience, you understand that he's warmed up to her more than he's ever let her know with words, you know?
5: Uh, I think in his – I just don't think that he's kind of like that guy unless he's with his family. I think he really appreciates having them back after them being gone for five years, you know? Uh, Um, But – I think he's kind of like i i i think the reason that he hasn't opened up with her is because of what happened to Natasha, like the last person he brought into this life you know with him ended up
4: dying yeah, oh yeah totally. i i i agree yeah. I, I just think he hasn't a hundred percent opened up to kate yet like i I think at the end of the day, Kate won't be so disappointed in Clint.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she, there is this, there, there is this kind of like deconstruction of Clint going on right now to where it's like she's seeing him as a person and not as like this hero worship guy that she just had in her brain where he's like has no faults. He's just perfect. Right. Cause like when you, mm-hmm. when you like, Even us as viewers, like everything that we've seen from Clint in the past, it's like this guy, even though he's been taken over by like the, you know, the mind stone and all this stuff, when we see him, like he never misses a shot, you know, he, he never misses. He's, he's like, he's about as superhuman as you can get for a human when it comes to what he does. And now we're getting to see, like, we're getting to see like the, you know, ever since like Endgame and the Ronin shit, we're getting to see like. How much being an Avenger has taken its toll on him and how, like, how it is, like, for, like, a regular human to be, like, rubbing shoulders against the Avengers. Like, this is, like, not, like, it's not like fucking Thor. You know? Like, Thor
4: can- Yeah, Thor, Thor doesn't have to wrap frozen cocktails around his body. Exactly. To bring back muscle strength. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Thor doesn't have hearing problems. And, and you're absolutely right. Kate's getting to see all these imperfections but
5: she's but you're but you're right too she's still saying like i want to do this this is the life that i want like even though she had like this misconception of like who he was she just thought he was like superhuman (laughs) kind of like he could do anything she never saw like the the toll it took on him physically and mentally and like losing his hearing and all this stuff but she still wants to do it
7: well yeah but i mean like like and I'm speaking for me, but like as like a reader of comics and a watcher of these movies, my favorite heroes are the ones with the most flaws. So I can see why she's so drawn to that. Like he's like me, but yet awesome, if that makes sense.
4: Oh totally. Yeah. I mean that's why I was more of a Marvel kid than a DC kid when I was a teenager, was you know, Marvel characters always seem to have so many flaws mm-hmm. and imperfections where the DC characters were very infallible during that period of time.
7: Right. Yeah. Like drawn to that because they're like, Oh, this person's more like me. Yeah. But yet, Fucking shooting aliens out of the sky It's
5: cool. They have, uh, you know, uh, there's the Kate, there's a scene where Kate, this is where I feel like they really kind of do, um, open up to each other a little bit more. And there's more of like a friendship that's forming when Kate shows up with pizza and, and all the movies and like the, the Christmas sweaters and everything like that. So he can't be with his family. She knows that, that he can't be with his family and they were supposed to have, you know, ugly sweater night and um, fucking uh, a movie marathon and all this stuff. So she brings over um, the movies and the sweaters and, um, they sit down they have a talk they, you know he's got he 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 drinks out of the Thanos was right mug that apparently <laughs> <Love> that yeah <laughs> they they sell that mug on etsy and i bought it it's like 14 bucks it's like yeah and i was like fuck yeah i want that mug so i bought that mug on etsy
4: that's hilarious. He even seems to be happy that Pizza Dog's going to take a bite out of his Chex Mix. Like, he, that even seems to kind of warm him up a little bit.
5: Well, he was like, hey, knock it off. And he swatted Pizza Dog yeah. away when he did it.
4: But I think he's I just... Mean, he kind of has a smile, though, where he's like, he welcomes it, too. As much yeah. as he didn't want it, he still kind of loved the interaction, it seemed like.
5: They have a funny conversation about boomerang arrows. And Kate wishes that they had boomerang arrows because they're out of trick arrows. Um, and you just can't – he's got the tips for him, but you just – the arrows or the, 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 the shaft or whatever is like a totally different thing and they need more of those. Um, and in the comics, it's actually Clint that actually has boomerang arrows. So I thought that that – this <laughs> yeah. is like another thing of them of – I feel like the MCU movies do this sometimes where they kind of like poke fun at the comic books and how comic booky they are sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like this – sometimes I appreciate it and sometimes I don't. And I I mean, what do you think? Like, do you appreciate that, that they kind of flipped it? So, like, in the comics, it was Clint that had boomerang arrows. And in this one, it's like – it's just a conversation where Kate was like, oh, you should have boomerang arrows. And Clint is basically like, that's pretty fucking stupid. Like, they're going to come back. (laughs) And she's like, well, you got to dodge them. So – I, don't know. I think
4: more often than not, those moments kind of make me groan. Like, I,
5: yeah, me too. I'd
4: rather just know that the boomerang era was a thing in the comic book than have it kind of give it the side eye in the MCU treatment. I agree. Saying I, that that's too jokey.
5: I agree. I don't like it when they take cheap shots at the comic books like that.
6: <laughs> I didn't see it as a cheap shot. I, I thought it was just a fun little nod you know, to a conversation that happened in the comics. And they've already flipped so many things from the comics that – you know, happened to to Hawkeye that, you know, now Kate is doing in the show. Yeah. So I just looked at it. And there's several little nods to the comics in this. But you can look at it that
5: that they're just like, that's something that's silly from the comic books. And we're going to take a real life approach to it. That's how I kind of view those things, where they're just taking kind of like this little shot at the comic. Like, a, just a jab. Do you, do
6: you, yeah, do you- well, but in the comic, Kate was the one saying, why would you want a, a boomerang arrow? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm and And so it but it you know, but it's something they're that' kind of doing the same exact same thing they did in the comic, but but in it, the comic, they just flipped it in the comic, it exists though that's the difference it it does exist, it yeah. e- <laughs> and in this <laughs> one it's like Clint it, it is just shows like up at the end of that issue. Clint is just like
5: the existence of fucking boomerang arrows is stupid.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely played for a laugh, yeah, uh, in this line of dialogue,
5: yeah, yeah
4: i I groaned that all of uh, Kate's Christmas DVDs were all Disney properties.
5: Well, I mean, they, you gotta like you, if they showed something like that on screen, wouldn't they have to pay?
4: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, they own can't they show Home Alone? Don't they own that now or, or something?
5: Well, they showed Die they Hard. Have all they
4: all the Fox movies.
5: Yeah, they showed Die Hard. So
6: yeah, I saw Die Hard in the yeah yeah. yeah
5: yeah. I didn't really care about that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> the The conversation where they're talking about the Robin Hood shot was splitting a wooden arrow. Yeah, yeah, that was a, another thing from the comic where they're kind of where Kate had Hawkeye's bow. Oh, and I Cap love had given her, and so he wanted it back, and so he said, "You know, if you, if I can split this arrow, I get my bow back." And he splits it. Yeah,
5: I love the the when he's doing the coin snap.
6: Oh um, yeah, those were awesome. Well, he was. And, I and loved that's like how just like nod to the comic too.
5: Yes, well, I just love how um how flippantly he said it too. Like, yeah, I can knock somebody out with a fucking, you know, a quarter, a nickel, a dime's too light. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this motherfucker's done it. He's tried it with a dime. It's too light. <laughs> it's like, I fucking love that. You know that, you know, he taught her how to do it. You know that there's going to be a moment in a future episode of this where she has to use the the coin snap.
6: Oh,
4: totally. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Um.
5: Clint is. Uh, oh, they have a. Uh, Clint is watching "It's a Wonderful Life" with uh, with Kate, and um, that is a movie where the main character of George gets his family back at the end after being in a reality a reality where they didn't exist. So it's kind of like Clint himself, who lost his family for five years, and now hopes to spend Christmas with them again. And I thought that that was a, a cool choice for them to use that movie that they were watching. Um, they have the conversation about the best shot was the one he never took about Natasha. And, uh, you know, again, at the end of the episode, Kate doesn't take the shot at Yelena. Um, Kate basically has a conversation with Clint about the Ronin. And then she just comes out and says it that, you know, you, you know, that you were the Ronin. He gets into the whole conversation of how he, you know, he tells her that he was a weapon. And then we see flashbacks of him, uh, training with his daughter, Lila, with the bow, um, hugging his family after they return from the blip. Then we get a flashback of Natasha falling on Vormir. And then there's a flashback we haven't seen before of him as Ronin. And he's fighting guys in a van and that's nothing we've ever seen from this show or a previous movie. So that has to have um we have to have, we have to have that explained to us throughout yeah, this. Yeah, it's got to
4: be very significant to be paired with those other items to hugging his family after the blip, Natasha's death and then and then that. Like there has to be some major significance for that event.
6: Yeah, without a doubt. Do you think that's um in end game they refer to, uh, investigating, uh, like some cartel yeah. members that were all dead. Do you think that that's a flashback from that maybe? It could be. It could just be a flashback of that. Cause
5: like, what are we seeing here with these flashbacks? We're seeing, you know, his love for his, for his, you know, children. So we saw him, you know, with Lila and the bow and then, you know, losing them is what made him become Ronin. And then we get to see him like hugging his family after they return from the blip. And then the flashback with, the, with Natasha, these are all things that like made him put away the Ronin suit. And so maybe they just wanted to include a scene of him fighting as the Ronin.
6: Yeah. Just to maybe show all the different things yeah. that he's struggling with right now. Yeah, it could be. I mean,
5: it, it could be something else and it could be something worth explaining later on down the road, or it might just be like, okay, here's a visual representation of him as a Ronin instead of just showing another scene of him, you know, cause we've already showed that scene of him fucking killing the Yakuza boss. Like let's show something different.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's not that much footage they have of him as Ronin, you know, kicking butt. So that I, I guess that makes sense. And they they don't want to show the same old, same old. They
5: don't want to show the scene of him fucking, You know, killing William Lopez, Maya's father, because they don't want us to know whether or not that was him or wasn't him at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
5: So I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. That might come back. It might not. Uh, I do want to talk about, I want to jump into some talk about, um, the watch, the Rolex. And I Mm -hmm. do want to be, I want to talk about the Ronin suit as well and a lot of things that I think were, Not 100% revealed, but gave us a lot more clues as to maybe what the watch is all about. Maybe a little bit more clues into like what's going on with the Ronin suit. Um, So Laura, his wife, in this episode gives Clint a bunch of info about the tracksuits that she got from... She got that information from a member of the tracksuit mafia over the phone from her home in Missouri. So that just... That's not, like, that information that she came to him with about, you know, like, Jack doesn't let these guys have a day off, blah, blah, blah. That's something that she got from a member of the tracksuit mafia over the phone. So she's skilled enough. These guys aren't too smart, bro, but she got information from them over the phone. So um, Laura starts talking in German because the kid's in the room. And she doesn't want them to know what she's saying. And she says, anything else go missing from the compound. Clint says, you mean the Rolex. And he thinks it was destroyed years ago. Um, she thinks so too. But then she also says, I also thought the same thing about your fancy outfit. So what a lot of people are theorizing from this conversation and the way she's been acting, way she's been able to get information, the way her and Clint talk to one another so openly about these missions that he's on and the, and the Ronin suit and all this stuff. A lot of people are thinking that she might have been a former Shield agent at one time and some people are saying that she might have even been Mockingbird from, you know, the comics. So basically she's Kind of like his guy in the chair that we see like in a lot of you know comic book yeah. stories and movies right now, but a lot of people are thinking at one time she was an active shield agent. Um, I want to get into this a little bit more there's a lot I really want to talk about with this watch and 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 the Ronin suit and stuff like that, but what are your thoughts on on that does it Is it plausible?
4: I think it is plausible that she was an active Shield agent. I mean, that would go a long way to explain how her and Clint met in the first place. Um, and I, I just really like the idea of. I'd even go as far to say I like the uh, Mockingbird stuff. I'd be fine with that being a reveal that that's who she was in the past. I, I think that would be very cool. And, how else and, and is plausible?
5: How else is he going to have like this whole side family that we've never known about until we get you know to Age of Ultron? I mean think about yeah. it like when when did this guy have a time to to meet anyone when he was being used as a weapon when when he was mm-hmm. working with shield when did he he had to have you know found someone you know while he was while he was on the job is is my guess
6: yep and it, and it seems reasonable that she would have gotten into something that you know maybe blew her cover and so she couldn't be an agent anymore and had to go into some sort of hiding. Had to change your name and everything.
5: Yeah, yeah,
6: and that'd be the perfect time to start a family if you're pretty much stuck in a farmhouse in Missouri from now on. Might as well make some kids. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I never even thought of that. Like the thing with the watch reminded me most, and I'm sure this has been brought up a lot, is the Matt Fraction um, comic where there's like a videotape for sale. Of Clint, I'm like, oh, the watch is the new yeah videotape. Yeah, that's for sale. And that was my favorite arc of that run, was him trying at all costs to like stop that videotape. And now it kind of ups to Auntie if she has some connection to that watch. Where it's like we already know he's Ronan, but now it adds more depth. Like if he's trying to protect like the integrity of his wife.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, that's I fun. agree. Um, there is also this, I want to point out that maybe Clint was Ronan for longer than we actually thought that he was Ronan because when she says, I also thought the same thing about your fancy outfit talking about, you know, meaning she thought it was destroyed. Maybe she's not talking about after the blip. Maybe she knew him back when he was Ronan and working for shield. Maybe he was Ronan before. Before he, he was Hawkeye? Before he was Hawkeye. Maybe, maybe he was Ronan before that. Like, maybe Shield would send him out on these missions that they didn't want to be attached to or involved in and didn't want like, you know, Shield involvement. So if, you know, if he gets caught or whatever, you know, they, they, Shield could just blame it on, on the Ronan. And maybe like how Clint saved Natasha. What if Laura, you know, as Mockingbird, as a Shield agent, she was the one that saved Clint from being Ronan. Totally. And she... Totally. And now that she's not there anymore, she was the one that saved him. Now that she's not there anymore, he goes back to being Ronan because he lost everything he had.
6: Yeah, I like that because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s already got a history of taking in, you know, assets that are wanting to get away from the life of crime that they were living. Why would she?
5: Why would she? I also thought the same thing about your fancy outfit. Like, mm, yeah, I mean, she thought that the the watch was destroyed and she thought the same thing about his fancy outfit. She could be talking about before like not after the blip. Like why would she be thinking about the ronin suit? I mean, um she 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 could have thought that you know if he was the ronin a lot longer than we even thought that maybe like She thought he had gotten rid of that suit. And now coming back after the blip after five years of being gone, she finds out that he he turned back into the Ronin while while they were blipped. And she and she thought that 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 suit was gone, that that, that he was done with being the Ronin. So I don't know. It's something to think about.
4: I like that. The the idea of her character knowing what it be big deal it was for Clint to turn back to the Ronin yeah and of adds more weight to the whole thing like I, I, I kind of really like that theory
5: there's a few more Ronin theories I do want to talk about um, there's a theory that it wasn't Clint that killed the tracksuits and Maya's father William Lopez we kind of talked about this a little bit last week but <sighs> the watch if it could tie back to the you know Laura's time this is a theory. This it, The watch could tie back to Laura's time as the original Ronin when she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. So some people are thinking that maybe, and I even said, like, when when we were watching it, like, you know, like, the person that was wielding that Ronin sword, it, like, just reminded, like, the way they were flipping around reminded me of, like, a widow. And, but some people are saying that maybe the, the Ronin that killed Maya's father, William Lopez um, was Laura. I'm going to get into first off, what do you guys think about that theory that it, that maybe he's trying to, you know um, you know, Clint even said in this episode, the watch, if the, if the watch ties back into her time as the Ronin, if Laura was the Ronin, the original Ronin at one time, Clint says in this episode, it belonged to someone I used to work with. They've been out of the game for a long time but their identity is still attached to that watch. Kate says, and if the track suits find found out, Clint says it would blow their cover. Goodbye friend. So, um, you know, Clint even said like to, to Kate about the Ronin, the Ronin suit itself, that it's tied to his family. Um, and so a lot of people are saying like, after, you know, she was taken in the snap, he wore it in her memory. um, you know, I like that mm-hmm. So do you think The watch could have Belonged to Laura
4: I think it could have I think that theory has legs uh, a, a lot of it just adds up Like a lot of the dial- dialogue Like you said about Clinton dropping like His family and everything I, I think that's a, that's a possibility I, I'm not 100% sold on it But I wouldn't be shocked if it was true Do you think that she was Ronan at one time yeah, I think there's there's a chance that she possibly was. I do not. I think
5: that there is a chance that the watch could have belonged to her, but I do not think that she was the Ronin. Yeah. And I'll get into that. What do you what do you think, Joe?
6: Hey, I I could see it going either way. I could see them making it so that she originally was a Ronin because then you could say that she, you could still follow that thread of She's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and instead of saying that she was Mockingbird, she was Ronan. Because why add the confusion of introducing in a new character for you know the casuals out there that don't know the comic history? Um, so I could see it going that way. It, it didn't really look like a, a woman's watch, though. It doesn't. Like it, no. The watch face looked more like a, a men's watch, but that doesn't necessarily have to mean anything yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been spinning out on the watch. I've, I've almost got, like, one of those string boards up in my room. I honestly thought about doing one of the Post-its the other day.
7: <laughs> Charlie
6: Day. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, I was totally spinning out on it. Do you think
5: because... that she was the, the Ronin at one time? Do you think it's possible? I think it's absolutely possible that she was. Uh, Paul? Um. Yeah, I
7: do. I. I don't know. Something about me... Scream Natasha, which could not, ma- I mean, whatever, it's, it's me here, but like, I thought back to Endgame and how like traumatized she was when she saw the footage and how that's like his dearest friend. Like he has kids named after her. Like he does not want her legacy to be tarnished. Like she went down a fucking hero. Like to me that's like the last thing he would want to get out about her besides the whole black widow thing and with her
5: training in the black widow program it to me it made sense but i mean No, i'm usually, talking about I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Natasha. Are you saying Natasha was the ronin? Yeah. No, I was yeah, talking was about like, Laura,
7: his wife. I know and I'm saying like i could not believe it was Laura, uh, but I'm my mind goes to Natasha as the ronin. Okay. because because of that I know and I'm usually like 99.9% wrong on all my
5: theories uh so I'm just going to leave it at that the, uh, time-wise does it work out that Natasha could have killed that Nat- well I don't know um oh, let me get into um why I I I think the watch could have possibly belonged to Laura I'm not 100% sure But I don't that I don't think she ever wore the Ronin suit, and I'm gonna get into why I think that. In this episode, Clint is in a a car with Kazi later in the episode and they're talking. And Clint says from the back seat of the car as he's talking to Kazi, You've been working under William Lopez. You've been working under William Lopez as a lieutenant for what, four years? And now under Maya for a few more years. Quick reminder, Laura had been gone for five years and has, and has been out of the game for a while now. So, I mean, I guess it all depends on what he means by a few more years. I mean, I'm considering maybe, you know, four to three years that he's been under Maya and Laura has been gone for five
4: yeah that math doesn't add up very well does it
5: no so I don't I don't think that Laura was ever the Ronan yeah.
4: yeah and I agree by a few four at the most my mind yeah. went to three my mind definitely went to definitely three. Not, not more than before yeah. yeah
6: yeah so William definitely died during the blip is what you're saying well, who, well, I'm sorry who so William Maya's father definitely died during the blip Yes,
5: yes. Within like, you know, maybe
6: it couldn't have been Laura.
5: Yeah, I don't think it was Laura. So in my opinion, I I think this leaves as like whoever killed William Lopez, I think it leaves
6: Clint or Jack. What do you think of Kazi? Because he wasn't there. That's awesome. I was gonna get to Kazi. That was going to okay. get
5: to Kazi. I wanted to start off with cleaner Jack, but I wasn't going to get to Kazi. Oh, man. That
4: would be the ultimate betrayal. Yeah. Jesus
5: here. Well, here, le- okay. Let's, let me just, I'll jump into Kazi then because I was going to talk about this. Um, he tells Kazi Clint's in the back of the car and he says, you know, this operation better than anybody. And so he might know things that Maya doesn't know. If he says, you know, this operation better than anybody, that means that Kazi might know things that Maya doesn't even know about the track suits. And he says, Clint says, you know what Maya's boss wants and you know what he's already, and you know what he's already done to get it. So maybe, you know, he got, you know, Jack to kill William Lopez, Maya's father or Kazi himself. Like what if, what if, what if, Kazi killed uh, William Lopez because there's this moment where Kazi, like, he says, and you know what he's already done to get it. And Kazi sounds worried and he says, so what do you know? Yeah. And then Clint says, I know he doesn't like this attention, that's for sure. I know Maya's obsession wanting to hunt Ronan down is dangerous. Like, dangerous to who? The dangerous to... Jack for killing William for you know Kingpin for hiring him or or for Kazi for being like her childhood friend and knowing this or even knowing about that or even being the one that did it
4: do you think if Kaz did it that Clint knows
5: yes he's he's saying that in this moment if Clint is if Clint is the Ronin and Clint knows for a fact that he wasn't the one that killed Maya's father him having this conversation and spelling it all out for him and Kazi saying, so what do you know? Like it, I think, I think Clint is basically letting him know in so many words that like you were involved in something that Maya doesn't know about, whether that be Kazi killed her or Kazi knows that Kingpin put a hit out for William Lopez. Now where this all falls apart is the fact that other tracksuit mafia members were killed in that? But on the flip side, I wouldn't put it past Kingpin to put some of his own men at risk. To yeah, get it makes
4: sense too, because Maya and Cos really can't be a, a a duo moving forward when the Echo Show starts.
5: Well, I mean that's so. the whole that's the whole thing. It's like uh, unless we're going to be following a villain, which I don't think we're going to be doing.
4: No, yeah, something's gonna have to happen. Either it's just simply Cos dies, or just like you're saying, like an ultimate betrayal like that. You keep, well, so he you keep saying even knows. You
5: keep saying Cos like it's Bill Cosby. It's Kazi. Cosy. <laughs> <Kaz-y.
4: laughs> the Cos something because in her drink.
7: I killed your father mm-hmm. a for some pudding pops. Mm. Pudding, pop. yeah. um, <laughs> pudding pops.
5: Pudding
7: um,
4: pops.
5: <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, um, there's also a, we know that there's a transmitter in the watch that Laura tracks in this episode, like she tracks it to Maya's, you know, um, uh, apartment. And, uh, you know, what if Maya can use that transmitter and uh, to to find out that Clint wasn't, you know, at the at the tracksuits auto body the night her father died? You know, like, what if that information is out there? What if we can, what if we can place where Clint was when that happened and it wasn't Clint? Because we know there's a transmitter in that watch. And so like, we know this watch is important. Why is it important for Kingpin? I mean, we know that like there is this underground auction going on and they're trying to bid on the sword, but on the flip side, it's like, if Jack is, this is another thing, which is like, I got to figure out. Jack is the CEO. His name is listed as the CEO of the tracksuit mafia, this Sloan limited. So, you know, like if we're to believe that he, he does have connections with the tracksuits, he should know then the tracksuits are going to be fucking busting in there and going after that watch. So is he just in there bidding on this stuff so that it looks legit? Like why is, why is, why is he there? And then also, if you watch that scene again, where like they break in and like, the lights flicker in that building. If you look at the face of Eleanor Bishop, she doesn't even blank, act nervous or not. It's like she knows what's happening here, too. It's such a weird scene.
4: Yeah, we're definitely going to revisit, I think, the, like the parameters of what actually happened in that scene.
5: Well, like, why, then, why, why is he there bidding on stuff when, when the tracksuits, which, which Sloan Limited, like his tracksuit mafia, he's like the CEO of his company. Like, why is he there when this is, is he just making sure everything goes down as planned?
4: You yeah, know? and giving himself an alibi as well.
5: Yeah, probably an alibi. Yeah. There's another theory about the watch. If the watch doesn't tie to Laura, if it doesn't tie in with Laura and and have like you know, he he you know, um Clint says like, you know, the the Ronin suit is uh was he talking about the Ronin suit or the watch when it's tied to his family. I
4: thought I think he was talking, talking, about, talking the watch. about the watch.
5: Yeah. Okay. okay. If it's tied to his family, then, you know, it could be, it could be Laura. Um, the other theory is that the watch belonged to Nick Fury and Laura was working with Fury to help hide scrolls on earth. So Nick Fury has been working with the scrolls. We know that we saw that, um, this could contain information that will start the events for the upcoming secret invasion storyline. And, um, you know let's if that were to be revealed you know clint talks about like you know somebody that's been in hiding and he doesn't want to you know the watch will you know um put a friend at risk i mean he could be talking about nick fury and maybe laura's been working with fury to help hide scrolls on earth and like this i mean we could get an announcement after this series is over that you know um uh What's her name that plays Laura? I can't think of it from Freaks and Geeks. What's her fucking name?
4: Of, oh my god, Just I can't the, think of it either.
5: Yeah, it's like, it's a very Italian name, isn't it?
4: Linda Card- Cardellini.
5: Linda Cardellini. Oh. Like, what if we find out Linda Cardellini has been cast in, you know, Secret Invasion? You know, like, you know, we can, we can start putting, putting that together that, you know, Laura, Laura, you know, now, now that she's been out of the game for a while, you know, we know that Fury set her up, you know, in, in that, in that house, you know, off the books from shield and all this shit. Um, what if that is true? I'm not making that up, right? Yeah. That it was fury that, okay. Um, Fury that did that. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Like even shield didn't know about it. It was just something fury did. So like, what if like, you know, he knows that she was like a past agent and he's been working with Laura kind of like, you know, she's like the man in the chair for Clint. what if she's doing the same thing here for Nick fury and uh, helping him with, you know, scrolls that are uh, been on uh, been on Earth since the 90s.
4: I like that theory a lot. I, I think it would be really cool to see Nick Fury, like, return to his, like, post-credit kingdom, too, you know? Like, have that reveal happen there. Like, it, it's been a long time since we saw Nick Fury show up in the post-credits, you know? Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, I mean, this far into Phase 4, you got to keep watching out for scrolls. You know, it like that would fit in really, really well. That if she was a past agent and she was working with Fury, we're already seeing her do the guy in the chair stuff with this. Um, yeah, it all fits together pretty nicely.
5: Yeah, but why would, why would Kingpin want the, want the watch then if that's the case? Or not even, I I keep saying Kingpin like he's actually gonna, you know, like, like we know he's showing up in the series, which, um so whoever's in charge of the tracksuits why would they want the the watch if that's the case why would they want all these adventures compound you know and
6: and items? if the watch is so safe why is it just sitting on a shelf in an apartment well maya got a hold of it well exactly but i mean yeah. if it's so special then why is it just sitting there you know what I mean? Like, oh, we got this important thing that may- we're speculating that maybe the big boss is going to want. Well, I'll just leave it here and give it to him next week.
5: Well, I think I think that Maya is trying to figure out what uh, – I mean I think that maybe she, she the information that – maybe she already got information off of the watch. Like the, the identity of Laura and the kids and stuff that she had written down on the piece of paper. Yeah.
6: If it's well, um, connected. What, one of the other theories I had is what if that watch belonged to William – And William was actually working with Shield to, to like, he had decided that, okay, I want to get out of this life. I want to get a better life for my daughter. I'm going to start working with Shield to bring down the Kingpin. Kingpin has Kazi or Jack, you know, dress up as the Ronin and take him out. I
5: I love that because that goes into, um, that goes into what I was saying about the Kingpin wanting to, um, take control of her. You know, like it, mm-hmm. yeah, like I last week, I talked about like how the kingpin might have had it set up to where she, where he killed had someone kill her father because he wanted complete control over Maya and her you know abilities and stuff like that, and uh, you know before William dies, he tells the her you know he says, fly away dragon, like and it's like get out, I think he's saying like, get out of this life, yeah, and so you know, I even speculated last week that that, you know, he'd been wanting to get out of this life and maybe like Kingpin was tipped off about it. And that's why they sent somebody to kill him. But he also wanted to keep Maya in his hip pocket. And that watch being Williams would make sense. So, but it got, it found its way back to Avengers compound. Maybe he gave it to, maybe he gave it to Clint. So that he, you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if, cause Clint knows Clint clearly knows more than he's letting on because with that conversation that he had with Kazi. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe Clint knows that, you know, if William was an agent working undercover with shield and this also is like contrasts what we might find out about Kate's father. So, we think at the beginning of this series that Kate's father Derek is this fearless hero guy, this amazing guy that she looks up to, and we might find out that he's an evil villain. But on the flip side, what if Maya, his father, who we thought was bad and in the tracksuit mafia, we find out that he's actually a good guy working with Shield? I love that, Joe. Yeah,
4: it's yeah, that's, that's a great theory. That's
5: great. And that, and so now. Maya finds all this out that it wasn't oh my god i fucking i love this theory joe i think you're on to something with i mean you found that i think you just i think you added that missing piece of the the watch being with being william's watch
6: yeah and it would even make sense why there's a transmitter in it if shield was like okay we're going to put this mm-hmm. transmitter in your rolex because we know you got a meeting coming up with the kingpin but we don't know where so we're going to be able to find out exactly where you're at, or you know, something like that, maybe. Or, or maybe that's even how Shield went and recovered the watch. They they go and find that you know William's been been killed. They they take their watch back. They had the transmitter in it.
5: But why? Okay, it doesn't what makes wh- sense?
6: Why that watch ends up at Avengers HQ, though?
5: <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make sense why Avengers, unless you know William gave it back to gave it to Clint or somebody, and it made its way to Avengers compound, or. I mean, but but why does Clint have to get the the watch? You'd think that. Why do you think? Why 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 does Clint have to get the watch? What's on the watch that could ex, like, that could expose someone that's close to Clint if it's William and William's already dead? And he says like, you know, if somebody if if the tracksuits get a hold of that watch, goodbye friend. Like, William's already dead.
6: Yeah, yeah. So is she? Yeah. I know, dude.
4: <laughs> now you see why I want my string. Board. Yeah, now there's kind of a missing piece in that. Ain't
5: yeah, there. there is. There is. Yeah, unless I mean, I don't know, man. I thought I thought we were onto something, Joe. I thought, and I loved it, dude. I loved it. I still think there's a good chance that Williams is a good uh, that William Lopez is a good guy, though. By the end of yeah, this. there's some about I, him I saying. Totally there's some about him saying "fly away, dragon" to her before he dies. I keep thinking he's saying to his little girl, get out of this life.
6: That's the same way I took it. Yeah. yeah, And, yeah. and I really like the dichotomy that that then Derek would be a bad guy.
4: Yeah. yeah. I like to it. give S.H.I.E.L.D. too, that they'd be willing to put not only this man but his daughter into this compromised situation just to get information.
5: Well, like shit, that. man. S.H.I.E.L.D. is run by uh, Hydra agents for a long time.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally.
5: So, I mean – they had been infiltrated. Shield is SHIELD ain't even SHIELD anymore. SHIELD is just it's Shield is fucked up, man. So
4: Yeah, I just I just like that. I mean I, I like it how they also just almost involved a young innocent girl and look what they did to her life just by, you know, trying to gain information if that ends up being the case.
5: Um So yeah, while uh Clint is talking to Kazi, Kate is going to the the LARPers to uh, talk to them about possibly getting their the the trick arrows uh back and uh she talks to officer Wendy Conrad, who in the comics is bombshell from a group called the death rows and um the, in the comics she works with explosives um hence the name bombshell um but i don't i don't think we're gonna see any i don't think we're gonna see any of like you know bombshell or any of the death rows in this series I think they're just using their names. Um, you know, from, from the comic books, what are the chances that um, the, it, we, the LARPers have come back in this episode? What are the chances that like, there's a, there's a battle with the tracksuit mafia at the end of this series. And like, they need reinforcements and, and then – because well, I keep thinking about like that Grills, when Grills says like, you know, he's getting ready to fight Clint, you know, in that – in the when they're doing that light LARPing session and, and Grills says like, this is the closest I'll get to being a real superhero. This is like my superhero moment going up against an Avenger. like. What if like that is not his superhero moment? Like what if the LARPers show up to help fight the tracksuits by the end of this and we see them using those moves that we see them using in the park and shit like that. But now they're doing it for real as like soldiers fighting against the tracksuit mafia.
4: I could totally see that happening. The, the LARPers versus Tracksuit Mafia definitely feels like a very episode six main event of this series that could happen. Yeah. I, I think you're very on point with the foreshadowing, too, about the, oh, this is the closest I'll be. It's like, no, yeah, wink, wink you're going to get a bit closer. Right,
5: yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. It seems kind of cheesy.
4: It's a little silly. It's a, yeah. it's a little bit silly, but I, I think that's a somewhat the tone of this show it's yeah like it's very serious at parts but there is some light-hearted playfulness like to the show um especially when it comes to the characters of the larpers yeah so and the tracksuit has been painted as a very like they're threatening but they're also a little bit silly and the show hasn't held back on that and i, I think thematically it could work these two groups fighting
5: yeah yeah I also wouldn't be surprised if uh we see a scene of uh track suits showing up. This could be where the larpers show up. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the track suits now that, you know, uh Maya knows the name of Laura and her kids. I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up at the farmhouse and then we can really see Laura start to kick some ass and maybe give us more of a clue of like, you know, how trained she is and maybe she was a shield agent at one time.
6: Yeah, I was thinking that'd be a really fun scene to get at the end of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot
4: more sense as the like the first time Clint would see his family again too. Like I, I could see that happening more than like just a, him going home at the end of this series. Yeah, like there's definitely going to be some threat I think towards his family with what we've seen so far.
5: I guess let's talk about like the the very end of the the episode, like on top of the rooftop. what did you guys think of the rooftop battle? Did you guys enjoy the rooftop battle? Uh I guess I just want to know your thoughts cuz I do have uh a few more things that I want to talk about before we wrap the Hawkeye episode 4 but uh
4: I I I I thought I was, go ahead. I was, I didn't hate it but it wasn't one of my favorite action sequences. It was kind of filmed a little weird and a little bit darker than it needed to be and I don't know like I I wasn't in love with it but it, I, I didn't hate it by any means.
5: Again for me it's like I love the fact. I, I, here, let me get into this. How do I? How do I say this? Because I feel like, I feel like, we get this character of Maya Lopez, Native American, deaf Native American. Um, you know, she's got a prosthetic leg, and it's like, I, I love the inclusion and representation that they do, but I don't think they've done anything to make Maya fucking a badass or cool in this series yet. I don't. I think that they've kind of held back on that. Like maybe they're holding back on that for the Echo series, but like they, they, and I, I think we're like in this, like, I feel like anytime anybody voices something wrong, like that they didn't like about something like that, it means that like, Oh, you're against the inclusion. And rep- no, I'm, I'm against how they've kind of portrayed her up to this point. Like, I think it's getting out of hand online. Like even this week, like Seth Rogen online Said that you know there are people that don't like Santa. The people that don't like Santa's Inc are the white supremacists, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm not a white supremacist, and I watched six minutes of it, and I just thought it was juvenile dick and fart jokes, and I stopped watching because I just didn't like it.
4: <laughs> don't, don't you think he's being extreme for comedy's sake, though? I don't think he. Yeah,
5: necessarily but it, but I think that. like that's where we're at now. It's like if if somebody doesn't like. One thing it means that oh you must just you just must not like you know like
4: no I agree I I think he's poking fun of the exact mentality that you're acknowledging yeah I agree exist
5: yeah I mean there's an I mean you can look up the articles it it felt legit to me that he was saying like you know the the people online that were that were I don't know so I'm just saying like I I think the character of Maya Lopez. Has so much potential that they really haven't done anything in my opinion to get me like super crazy excited about this character in her series coming up. And you can, I don't know, somebody, please, someone explain to me what has she done so far? What have they given her in this series to get us super excited for the, are they holding on to it for the last two episodes? Cause I haven't seen it.
6: Yeah. The first two fights with her have been. Kind of lackluster. That's so it, far. it. Exactly. The, and I'm saying, like, even, even
5: like her abilities in the comics are like to mimic moves and all, like, and, and, you know, kind of like Taskmaster. And for as much as I did not like the Taskmaster in the Black Widow movie, there was a sense of fear when that character's on screen. Same thing with, like, the Winter Soldier. But I have, like, they talk about how much of a badass she is and what a great fighter she is. And in both fights, The first one they fucking get away and in this one she gets i know she's going up against the black widow but she's still it's like i still haven't seen anything from this character i'm hoping for me that they can turn this around by the end of this series because i'm not i'm not i'm not seeing anything yet and it's it's kind of unfortunate
6: yeah they need to give her more to do like fight wise in these next couple episodes because so far I mean we've gotten a lot of intense looks and you know some I mean kind of some decent fight stuff but but like you've said she hasn't really come out on top in either of them is like is as episode 3 stuff she's like pinned to the wall and then she's pretty much out of the fight and then just part of a car chase right and in this one it's like yeah she's kind of kicking Kate's ass a bit in the apartment and then she slides over to that other roof and she's involved in that fight and then she gets shot and then it's just like all right fuck this I'm out and just takes off, and it's like, okay, well, where is this right. going to be more of a badass?
5: Here's the thing: and, it's like I love the way that they showed like her interactions with you know Clint, and I've loved the way that they show her, you know, yeah, yeah doing her uh, doing sign language, and the way that mm-hmm. she's listened to the vibrations when when the music is playing and stuff like that. I love all that stuff. I think they're doing it great. I think the representation is there for this character to uh, really uh, be uh kind of uh uh an important figure in pop culture for uh people that are both native american and, and people that are in the deaf community. I think that that's fucking great. I none of what I'm saying is taking away from that. They've really done a bang up job of showing, you know, um that character and like, you know, the challenges that she's overcome as a child to to get where she is now. They just haven't made that character badass in the scenes that I think that they should have made her more of a threat in this series. I don't look at her yet as like this insane threat that I think that, that I thought that they were going to make her when we got that tease of her at the end of the third episode or the, uh, the second episode. So am I wrong? Can somebody tell me why I'm wrong here?
7: No, I mean, you you completely stole the thunder away from me, and I only say this just because of experience with a with a young daughter who I put this on and she watches it with me. And when when uh, I I know her name in the comics is Echo, but when she came on, my daughter was so enamored with the fact that she was she looked different and she was communicating different. And I think Brian, I sent you a video, yeah. And I, where, hey, my daughter and, and today she's trying to communicate to me in ASL I'm like what the fuck are you saying <laughs> like, but she's been watching these videos ever since last week Sunday just because of this character I think just a, re- just a representation part for especially like, the young girls and also like Hazel wants to do archery because of fucking Kate Bishop but like I think especially like for the young female Audience she is a big deal, but I get what you're saying
5: where like for all of us, we're like all oh, like we like want to see more but they've given kate really, they've given Kate so many opportunities and moments to shine in this series. I feel like echo is kind of getting lost in the mix no and i
7: i i like I totally agree with that like I totally agree with that, but it's just like you know like God, what was it like Hazel hasn't seen the newest episode, but the last episode she was in it for four minutes or, you know, whatever, I mean, more than four minutes, but just that time she was in was enough, at least for a younger person, to want to get in to this world of ASL and stuff. So, like, that part, I kind of see why they want to build a whole show around her, because representation does matter, and I think it's been amazing to see my daughter want to, want to learn a different language where she's, you know, I go on my browser history and it's all like ASL for beginners. I'm like, whoa, this is you know, this fucking Disney Plus show is doing more for my daughter than I ever
5: fucking did. Yeah, it's like Paul's, brother, Paul's brother, browser is like, Pornhub, 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 ASL, Pornhub, Pornhub. Yeah, Hazel, stop watching the ASL porn. No, I'm talking
4: I was talking about when thanks you... Thanks Uncle Disney Plus for showing Hazel the correct <laughs> way.
7: Yeah, thanks for being a positive role model in her life.
4: No, but like I know
5: I'm long winded, but like I hope you kind of see what I'm saying. We're just I see like... what you're saying. I know, and I, I, I just I was just I was hoping that somebody could tell me like what have we seen out of the character other than the fact that they are showing, you know what she, what she deals with as being, you know someone in the in the deaf community, outside of that, what are they showing to show that she's a fucking like. A, just a killer badass and I, I haven't I are they that. saving that for the series and I feel like anytime anybody voices anything sometimes somewhat negative and my negative is that I just want them to do more for her that's it it's not that I don't like the character it's not that I don't like the inclusion and representation it's I want more from the character and I don't know if it goes back to her like not having that much acting experience and they're like okay you, that'll come. That'll come. We'll get you there. But for now, you know, you're on the sidelines a little bit. You you know, we're going to get you acting a little bit more. Maybe the sense of, like, this is her first thing. Maybe they didn't feel 100% confident with her going into this. Or I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out because I just haven't seen from what they've given the character, like, this... And I, I'm just saying the exact same thing over and over again.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't necessarily share your opinion, but I, I can kind of see Then tell me why am I, wh- tell
5: me why am I, why am I wrong? Tell me why I'm wrong then. If you don't see yeah. my opinion, tell me what you've seen from the character that has like, like I, blown you away other than the fact that they've done a great job showing you that this character uh, is, is a part of the deaf
4: community. And, I mean, that, that's the whole ticket, I think. It, it's She's dealing with all these things, and she's still able to be a, a capable threat on top of all these things that she has to overcome. Um, but I, I can kind of see your point of view and why you think that way. I, I think Joe kind of hit on it. Maybe another W in her win-loss column would go a long way to just making her seem a little bit more like a badass. But I don't know. For me, I, I've always bought it. for The, it's the just flashback like- plus the fight with Clint. And uh, you know the stuff with Kate in this episode. I, I don't know. I just for me, I was never like, oh, this is lacking. There needs to be a bit more. Act. The Echo stuff has been been pretty great, in yeah. my opinion. I, I, don't ag- I, d- I don't, I don't
5: agree. agree. I don't agree. I I, 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 I can't, I can't sit back and say to myself, oh my god, that one action scene where she had, oh, that is so memorable. That thing that she did. I've seen amazing action scenes from Kate in this. We can all talk about amazing action scenes that we've seen from Cap and the elevator and all this stuff. I, I, I'm asking like, what have you seen other than like, I mean, just standard kicking and punching and stuff? We ha- they haven't given her anything, in my opinion, that has stood out in my mind as to like why this character is like such such a threat or something like that
4: in this series yeah just a stronger moment to shine
5: that's what I, I want yeah that's what I want I want a memorable moment like give me like they've given memorable moments to Kate we you know it's, it's so many memorable moments with Kate this season and like what she can do her abilities as a as an archer and yeah. other than the fact that we got a flashback scene of her like beating up a kid when she was younger I really haven't seen her kind of like come out on top in this series yet and I'm, that's what I'm waiting. for. I don't know. I maybe I still
4: think like there's a very good chance you'll get that because her her storyline is very important to what's going on. Right? We talk so yeah. much about like who actually killed her father. And all that's going to come back, and I, I think you may still get your super shine echo moment. Maybe I'm griping the next about next two episodes.
5: Maybe I'm griping about something that they're holding on to that we're going to see. Right? I mean,
7: yeah. Like I did think it was pretty badass when Ronan was. You know, having his way with with everybody in that, like, warehouse or auto body shop. or And she was, like,
5: walking towards him. But I'm... Yeah, but if she would have walked a little faster and fought him, maybe she could have stopped him <laughs> from killing her fucking father. Because, she, because she's... That's all I'm... Honestly, like, she's walking around, lurking around, but she's not going after Ronan and stopping him. And she had plenty of time to do that before he fucking killed her father. She watched her father die in the next fucking room. No, yeah that is bad she didn't show up and and she didn't show up and her father was already stabbed she showed up and it happened while she was fucking creeping around and following the Ronin through those rooms yeah
4: that's true yeah i mean it, it, it was tragic i mean it must have been hard for her to even know what to do in that situation
5: yeah all right i'm done i'm done griping I'm done griping.
4: I don't think you're a lunatic for having that opinion. I just, it hasn't been anything that's distracted my enjoyment of the character yet. I guess I'm just Uh,
5: going into this thing thinking, like, okay, she's basically, they've pegged her as, like, the villain in this series to an extent. And I keep wanting to see, like, maybe I'm just getting lost in, like, what we've seen from, like, you know, the Winter Soldier and from Taskmaster. And I'm expecting that from... From Maya, like, and they haven't yeah, de- they haven't delivered on that, in my opinion. And I think it's a I think it's a a disservice to the character that we that I can't tell you of like one moment in this whole series where she's done something that it was just like, oh my god, that fucking amazing thing that she did, that kick, that punch, that whatever. I mean. I I, I I can't pull that from the, from the recesses of my fucking brain. I don't have the Rolodex where I can... Oh, yeah, that one thing that she did. Just give her a fucking moment is what I'm saying, other than the fact that they are telling us and showing us that she's part of the deaf community and that she's Native American. Like, give us a little bit more with this character. That's all I'm saying.
6: Yeah, otherwise about the coolest fight thing she's done is when... Clint swung that hockey stick at her and she she it broke on her leg, and she just kind of smiled at him like that part was kind of badass in that fight and then yeah, in this one it was kind of badass where where she comes in flying into the fight and then she kicks Kate and she goes flying over that uh that skylight thing. It's like you know say what you will about echo and in her fight scenes so far, but she doesn't skip leg day <laughs> uh
5: yeah, she doesn't do legs day she does leg day.
1: <laughs> <Touché>. <laughs> uh,
5: I don't want people to get, uh, take what I said the wrong way. I just want, to, I want a little bit more. I want, I want a little bit more badassdom out of fucking Maya Lopez in
4: this series. Um, no, I think you put out a very good disclaimer too. I think people understand where you're coming from.
5: Yeah. And I'm hoping that the series can, uh, um, you know, right that wrong for me as, as it goes on. I really want a badass scene with her um in this series. Uh here's the wildest batshit crazy theory that I have heard uh from uh online about this series. <laughs> I don't think any of this is 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 legit at all. Um, that Armand was working for Madame Mask who is not going to be Eleanor Bishop. So apparently this theory is sure. that there is a Madam Mask in this series who's not going to turn out to be Eleanor Bishop. It's a, just a completely, it's just, it's Madam Mask. And in the comics, Madam Mask is doing a lot with clones. And she wants uh to clone the bishops because there is a, a shot that they have superpowers once they are cloned. And And then, this goes back to when Kate is talking to Armand in the first episode. Um, when Kate is uh, talking to him, and the young boy shows up, and it's uh, Armand the third. And then she says, "There are so many Armands." So there's they're speculating that Armand the third is a clone, and that the older Armand is working for Madame Mask.
4: Oh boy, we, we've got two episodes to, to fill in all those blanks, huh? Right? <laughs> we got a lot of work to do these next two episodes of Hawkeye.
5: Uh, so yeah, that is probably the most batshit wild crazy that I've, uh, that I've seen online this week.
4: Oh, um. A plus for effort.
5: God damn. Yeah, no shit.
4: Um, <laughs>
5: apparently, and this rumor comes from, uh, my time to shine hello on Twitter. Um who is a legit leaker online has gotten many things right in the past, and, and she is saying uh that there was a deleted post credit scene from episode four. And this is what she says. While I wasn't the one saying it, I can back up the claims that there was supposed to be a post-credit scene with Kingpin in this episode. Why they removed it, who knows. At least he's going to be, at least he's going to be in episodes five and six. So my time to shine. Hello. Put up or shut up is saying episodes five and six. We're getting kingpin.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I I could see why they would want to introduce him in an episode proper instead of in a post credit sting too. I especially in this episode, it like really takes away from the Yelena reveal. I mean, I know that was very obvious to a large group of the watchers, but not everybody. And I think it works better to have that reveal in episode four and then bring Kingpin in episode five.
5: Joe, talk to me. Are we getting Kingpin or are they just gonna reveal that it's been Derek Bishop the entire time?
6: It better be Kingpin, because if if it's not, I'm gonna be pissed off I'm gonna be pissed off at Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> you know, For I'm sure. gonna be I'm gonna be fucking pissed off at this show. It's gonna feel like like WandaVision all over again.
5: And we're pissed you know, off it? at Vincent D'Onofrio because he's been liking a bunch of Hawkeye tweets and uh, all these things online. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. He's been with playing you. it up on
6: social media like I'm coming.
5: And you wait. Well, and the the fact that the fact that Clint keeps ta- calling him the big guy, the, the big fact guy. that the auto body was called Fat Man Auto Body, the fact that the hand that we see, you know, um, reach out to, to to young Maya Lopez looks like a big meaty hand from you know Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. The laugh, the the chuckle, even sounds like Vincent D'Onofrio. Um I mean if if they take this away from us and they give us a Ralph Boner, fuck them. Fuck them.
6: That's that's Yeah, that would be very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Paul I, I think this next episode seems like very likely that they're gonna be introducing him, especially you know with like the, the internet. Yeah and then two when, days later the you gotta see party and stuff. Yeah,
7: right.
5: Oh <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh let's see here. Yeah, Paul, you think we're getting Kingpin?
7: Oh, yeah. I do. Like, I forget where I read it, but somebody said, like, the next episode is going to break Twitter or whatever. And the only thing I could think of would be bringing Kingpin back. And now that Jake said two days later, fucking... We could have the possibility
5: of fucking oh, Charlie Cox coming in. We are getting Ooh. Charlie Cox. I can almost. We I,
7: are. We are. Yes. I mean, yeah.
5: Universe Look, I awesome. mean, everybody can say, oh, yeah, Kevin, By confirmed that, you know, he's going to come back uh, if we see Matt Murdock again. But I, I still think that the next time we see him is is going to be in, in no way home. I really do. Um. Another thing before we wrapped up and rated this is at the beginning of this series, this is the first one that they've done it for. They, you know, it says, you know, Marvel Studios, but then it says for the first time they've ever done this, they put a Kevin Feige production
4: at the beginning. Yeah, I noticed that. That was wild.
5: I'm thinking, Jake, here's my theory, is that if they are introducing Kingpin, they're separating, they're putting Kevin Feige's name on this front and center and separating it from Jeff Loeb's Daredevil Mm -hmm. series.
4: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Just doing that. It's like... Yes, it's the same actor, but that was not canon.
5: Right, right. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Instead of it, you know, Jeff Lowe was in charge of like the TV side of Marvel Netflix. Now it's like Kevin Feige's doing everything over at Disney Plus with the fact if, I mean, to, to, you know, uh, uh, if anybody, you know, if Kingpin does show up in this, you know, it, they're not going to be. It's gonna be a complete, it's gonna be the same actor but a completely different kingpin because they're not gonna put Jeff Loeb as like an executive producer on this one because he had involvement in those Marvel Netflix series. Cause you'd think that they would have to do that. You know, like, you know, a lot of people are like, Why is Zack Snyder an executive producer on the Wonder Woman movies? Well, it's because he was the one that fucking brought Gal Gadot on for Batman v. Superman. He was the one that...
4: Yeah, he conceptualized the character, basically.
5: Right. So if that is... If they're bringing Vincent D'Onofrio in on this series, they would have to credit Jeff Loeb somehow, you would think, as an executive producer, if they're using the exact same version of kingpin that we saw from the marvel netflix series and i don't think that they want to do that and i think that maybe that's why they're putting a kevin feige production because they're using the same actor but it's going to be the kingpin in the mcu not kingpin in the netflix verse of marvel if that makes sense
4: yeah it does make sense i could see them uh Giving credit to oh I'm blanking on his name, the the showrunner of Daredevil season one it's, before I see Is it
5: Stephen Denite?
4: There you go. I could see Denite getting some kind of credit before I see Jeff Loeb getting any credit. Well, I, it, it, I really it, do think there's some bad blood between the two.
5: Oh, there is definitely bad blood between the two. Yeah, they were the the, the I mean we can't get a hundred percent confirmation, but from rumblings that we've heard like those two they went at, went after each other, you know, quite a bit about, yeah, you know, cr- creative creatively on like what they, uh, what Netflix was doing and what the MCU was doing. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a battle.
4: I could see, you know, special thanks to Stephen Denight or character inspired by Stephen Denight long before I could see any kind of a nod to Jeff Loeb.
5: Well, Stephen Denight even this week said like he has no idea if like the, if, if, what they did is going to be connected to the MCU at all? He still has no idea. Yeah, the
4: fact that he doesn't know makes me lean towards it won't.
5: Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree. And I, I th- yeah, even just it saying a Kevin Feige production at the beginning is just kind of like,
4: yeah, yeah. I, I wondered if that was the first time. I was like, hey, maybe I've just never noticed this before.
5: No, this is the first series that they've done it. Yep.
4: It makes sense that they would do it in an episode where if the rumor is true and and I kind of believe it cuz the source is so good that if originally Kingpin was going to be in the post-credit sequence that's why we're throwing that up here. They they took the Kingpin scene away, but the the title card still remained the same.
5: No, they've done it for the uh for the first 3 episodes it's been for the as well. Whole Hawkeye, okay. Yeah,
4: yeah, it's been for all of it.
5: So um Let's go ahead and rate this one and then it will, we'll end up, I want to talk about like the, uh, you know, the episode 5 promo that came out, but, uh, let's go ahead and rate this one. If this is your first time listening, here's our rating system. The rating system is simple.
3: If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware
7: party.
5: All right. Paul, what would you think of this one? What are you going to rate it? I'm going to
7: give it a Tupperware. I've been enjoying this entire series. I mean, shit, like out of everyone on here, I think like, you know, Brian, firsthand being in my classroom, uh, I used a whole superhero theme to try to teach the kids how to use specific skills and for fucking six years I've been using pizza dog to listen cause he's the greatest listener in comic book history. Uh, so to see him on the screen fully like live action is amazing, but I loved like seeing Clint go through some PTSD with Natasha. I love that a lot of shows would have had him lie at certain points to Haley. He may have not given the full truth, but he didn't flat out lie about like, you know, like how he was Ronan or, you know, how he could have been involved with Natasha and all that. Um I just love seeing the dynamic of his kids wanting their father there and him spending all this time with Kate Bishop. Um I just loved all of the little like, I know some people can call it slow, but I seriously fucking just love all the depth that was given to all these characters. And Tony Dalton, who's in this show as as Uncle Jack, or whatever you want to call him, I we, we need to see him more stuff. Um, He's fantastic. I, I loved him since Better Call Saul, but I'm just in love with this show. I say that about every new Marvel show, but I love seeing Jeremy Renner kind of you know, cut his teeth into all of this and we're seeing more of this world. And I was so enamored with the Matt fraction series to see a lot of those elements into this. I'm just loving it. And this episode made me remember, you know, just continued that feeling of falling in love with this character and the route they're going with it.
5: Awesome. Yeah. Tupperware from Paul, Uh, Joe. Yeah,
6: this is a high taste. It, uh, I really enjoyed this episode a lot uh but it it just didn't it didn't quite meet the the same heights as the third episode did for me. I, I felt like the fight scenes in the third episode were were more enjoyable, the action in it was a little bit more enjoyable and the the heart in the third episode was was also. So I mean, this one had a high bar to 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 reach a Tupperware for me. So, yeah, high taste it.
5: Yeah, I'm also gonna give it a high taste it as well. I thought the action in the third episode was better, like you said. Uh, I thought the heart in this episode was really good though. I really enjoyed finally, you know, Clint and, uh, Kate, you know, having like their moment with like the, the coin. Um, snap and then watching the movies together and opening up and stuff like that. And I also like, you know, how Clint was kind of dealing with, um, you know, Kate getting involved in this and telling her to get out, you know, we're done. This is over. And think, you know, basically wanting to protect her like the way he'd want to protect, you know, Natasha or, or any of his kids for that matter. And he's probably reliving, replaying that conversation he had with Eleanor in his head too. You know, um, but I felt, I thought like the action in this one was just not great. I felt like the rooftop battle ha- left a lot to be desired. Um, especially with Yelena being involved in that as well. And I, I really, other than, you know, like the funny moment where she does like the three point pose, <laughs> you know, kind of like, I guess that, <laughs> that, she, that she made fun of, uh, you know, Natasha for, like, I think she does it now to like, you know, pay tribute. To Natasha and I, I thought that that was kind of cool that she did that, but like the overall action fight scene itself, I was just not like, oh my god, wow, this is fucking mind blowing. A Black Widow and Maya on the on the building, and all this stuff is happening. I, th- I think Jake, like Jake said, it, it was shot a little too dark, and and I agree with that as well. I, but um, you know, there's a lot that I did like about this episode. I still have not Tupperware'd an episode of Hawkeye, and I'm hoping that I can before the end of this series. But I'll give this one a high taste it. Uh, Jake, what did you think?
4: Yeah, I, I'm right in line with you and Joe mostly. This one's just going to be a regular taste it for me. I, I think other than the first episode, this was my least favorite episode. Um, I still liked it, but it was quite a letdown after the third episode for me, which I, I absolutely loved the third episode. Um, yeah, it, it's weird to have Yolina in an episode where she doesn't even get to speak. Her action, action sequence wasn't that spectacular. She doesn't get to be that charismatic. It's like all the things that made me fall in love with the character were completely a- a absent in this episode. And that was kind of a bummer. It looks like that may get rectified in the next episode from from the things we've seen. But, yeah, I mean, this was just a middle bridge episode. And unfortunately, it, it really felt like that. Like I'm just kind of waiting for the big action to take place in the next two episodes. Yeah, so just to taste it for me.
5: My first watch it was a taste it. Pon second watch I liked it a little bit more. Um Let's talk about the episode 5 promo that dropped. A lot of some of these scenes we saw in like uh you know the original trailer, you know, a lot of the Rockefeller Plaza stuff, you know, uh Clint dressed in like the suit and and it looks like this like you know big event that you know uh, Eleanor teased in a previous episode is going down. Um feels very much like a feels very much like it's going to be die hard inspired with him you know jumping off the building like you know Bruce Willis you know John McClane jumping off Nakatomi Plaza and with the with the fire hose and then Clint now jumping off Rockefeller Plaza onto the Christmas tree and um shooting the glass too there's a lot of you know shooting at the glass in this one and we remember that from die hard Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, uh, but you know, we get a lot of shots of Yelena in the, in the, in the promo for episode five. Did you notice like there were, you know, figures dressed in black with her, you know, going down the stairs Mm -hmm. with her? So it looks Mm -hmm. like we're gonna get, uh, looks like some of the liberated widows are gonna be working with Yelena in the next episode, is what I'm guessing.
4: Yeah, that's awesome too. I'm excited to see, see them and see what they're up to. So quite an army that Yelena has.
5: Yeah, a, somebody throws a bottle at her and she catches it? I, it looks the,
6: like a bottle of sriracha. I'm guessing that yeah. that's in Kate's apartment. I think she's going to show up there to basically... Because it sounds like the the dialogue from Yelena there, it's like she's talking to Kate saying, I'm going to kill Clint Barton.
5: Okay. Okay, yeah.
6: Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I'm looking
5: forward to the next episode. Paul, did you have any... The, anything you wanted to say about the, the promo? No,
7: just super excited to see more Florence Pugh in this. And uh, hopefully the breaking of Twitter announcement doesn't diminish my hopes after watching this. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Return of the boner.
7: Return of the boner.
5: <laughs> Are you guys cool if I play... Uh, the? The actor that plays Kazi, I think his name's Fra Fee, says that his character has a relationship with another Hawkeye character that will be dissected in the remaining episodes. He did an interview. I've got it pulled up here if you guys want to hear it.
4: Yeah, lay it on me. Yeah,
5: Yeah. fuck it, why not?
0: Very excited to see your character pop up in Hawkeye.
5: This is an interview with TV Line.
0: Because he seems like kind of a good dude on the outside but there's a little bit more to him obviously working with the tracksuits I think
2: you've absolutely hit the nail on the head Kazi is not a two-dimensional straightforward character like any good villain in all of these Marvel stories that we have come to completely adore there's a lot hidden beneath the surface and there's a lot of reasons why these characters have come to be and I'm hoping that it will be revealed where his motivations lie and what his true inner passions are in the coming episodes
0: the way I'm judging him right now is through his relationship with Maya and of the two he seems to be the more level headed one especially in that interrogation in episode three where he kind of pulls her back a little bit. So how would you describe his relationship with Maya?
2: Well, you're totally right in that the tracksuit mafia are a criminal organization in the underbelly of New York. They should not be raising their profile too much. So that car chase was an absolute nightmare, you know? And this is something that Kazi is able to control and takes pride in controlling. So whenever Maya threatens that, he's like, come on, you know? You are. But their relationship is a intriguing one and runs very, very deep. You know, they meet when they're kids. Kazi's actually at that karate class with little Maya. So there's a deep sense of familial love, I would say. You know, there's a familial bond between the two having grown up together. But Kazi is also fiercely, fiercely loyal to, to the TSM. It's the only, sense of stability he's ever known in his life and for that reason he feels safe in it and wants to work his way up the ranks as much as possible. Surprise. I just want to talk.
0: In this latest episode, there's that interrogation in the car with Hawkeye. I'm not going to call them friends, but there seems to be some kind of mutual understanding. They don't want people to die. They don't want the ones they care about to die. Did you find that common ground as well in both your character and Hawkeye?
2: Absolutely. That was something that I picked up immediately, I I thought there was a mirroring going on between the two I think Kazi has immeasurable respect for Clint, he might not like him all that much but he certainly respects him and Kazi, although being a criminal and although holding a gun and sometimes he has to use it I don't think he's an inherently evil person and if there's no need for bloodshed, I reckon he would decide against it. And he doesn't have any particular beef with Clint. You know, their worlds have collided in a very random happenstance way because this Ronin figure has popped up, you know, to which they're both connected separately. There is a respect there, although he doesn't really like the idea of an Avenger being in his back seat. It's not a good uh, look
0: for the tracksuit, right?
2: <laughs> not ideal.
0: You know, because he has this great relationship with Maya. Is the show also going to explore his relationship with other figures as well? Are there relationships you're excited to dive into?
2: There is certainly another relationship that is going to be dissected. I'm watching these episodes unfold at the same time as you guys, by the way. Like, I haven't seen the last two episodes, so I'm just like, waiting with a bit of breath, you know? Yeah. But they're going to knock your socks off. <laughs>
0: Because we're getting kind of into the meat of the story, it feels like I know you can't say what happens. We don't want to know what happens, but can you describe the vibe or the mood or themes that are
2: explored? I think this series has been so fun because of its setting at Christmas time and seemingly on the page, you know, Amant just trying to get home for Christmas seems like a simple idea, but. The way that this whole thing is beginning to unravel, the stakes are getting higher and higher. The scenario we're gonna all find ourselves in is going to be epic. It won't feel particularly Christmasy. <laughs> yeah.
0: And finally, because Yelena is in and they always say the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Do you think there's some kind of commonality between Yelena and Kazi because they're both kind of not aligned with Clint at mm. the moment?
2: Oh, that's really interesting. And I hadn't actually thought about that. I would say they're most similar in their steadfastness to their own goals and objectives. And there is definitely a commonality there. They just probably never in a million years would have expected their worlds to collide in the way that it has with all these other people around here getting on with their own stuff. It's a bit mad. It's a bit mad, but it's it's super fun.
5: Okay. I thought that that was interesting that he was saying not only, you know, have, are they going to be exploring, you know, they've been exploring the relationship between him and Maya, but another character? Could it be his relationship with... You know maybe flashback scenes of him and william lopez could it be you know his relationship with possibly the kingpin
4: yeah, yeah. the kingpin her father it definitely at first i was like oh, this is making me think he had no involvement and then the second half came and i was like oh shit never mind
5: <laughs> yeah he's uh, he seems like he's a very important character to this story you know as far as like at least the last two episodes i think there's a lot to be revealed about kazi here so yeah, I think it's, impo- I, I, uh, that second relationship, I know that he's got ties, of course, with Maya since childhood and like, they're very good friends. But another relationship that we're going to be finding out, I'm really intrigued as to who that's going to be, whether it's Kingpin or, you know, we know he had a relationship with uh, William Lopez. He worked under the guy as a lieutenant yep. for four years.
6: Yeah, so my money's on the re- relationship he's referring to as Kingpin.
5: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
6: Because was, you know there was two young kids in that karate class that still work for presumably the kingpin. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it, granted, we didn't see him perform that well, you know, in, in the in that toy store, the toy factory fight or whatever. In in episode three, He got his ass kicked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see him. Definitely didn't see him doing any flippy do shit. So that goes against my theory of him being Ronan.
4: <laughs> right. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah. That's a
6: good point.
4: Yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem the most capable guy.
5: Right. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this one is, uh, you know, recently Florence Pugh tweet. Uh, no, it was, it was an Instagram post, and she uh, uh, put, at Haley Steinfeld uh, being the ultimate best friend through high and low. And I wonder if that's like a tease of like maybe her and um, – Kate Bishop being really good friends uh, in the MCU later on down the road.
4: Yeah, I think that would be really cool if that's what she means. And it would make a lot of sense that these two characters would have would have further interactions down the line.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I 100% support that tick.
5: Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen for, for those characters. Uh, yeah, that is all we uh, have for this episode. Um, Next week, when we return, we're going to be talking Spider-Man No Way Home. Jake, we're seeing it on Thursday, man.
4: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's one of those rare movies that I'm going to get to sit next to you and watch as well. So that'll yeah. be a lot of fun. You'll, you'll get to see me fucking crying blubbering tears when Tobey Maguire shows up on screen. So <laughs> good times.
5: And I'll also see you <laughs> crying blubbering tears when Andrew Garfield shows up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but for a different reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally different reason, <laughs> oh man, I can't wait i it's just gonna feel like a whole new world, right it's gonna be like stepping through the fucking mirror onto the other side when this movie's finally out And I've oh, seen I know,
5: it. I know I can't wait, I can't wait. there's so much fucking hype for this fucking movie i I cannot wait two and a half hours, and uh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. I'm, I'm 100% convinced that we're gonna be getting Kingpin next week. We're gonna be getting Matt Murdock and No Way Home next week. We're getting Toby. We're getting Andrew. I'm 100% convinced that this is not Mephisto. This is not Ralph Boner. We're, we're getting it all. We're getting everything we want.
4: I don't want Andrew Garfield
5: if we're gonna get toby you might as well get we might as well get the twofer i'm totally fine with andrew garfield showing up in this movie
4: no i i agree i am too i i don't think i've been as warm on andrew garfield ever as i am in him appearing in this movie i was just going for the cheap joke
5: <laughs> as you do jake <laughs> 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 all right i want to thank uh i want to thank paul hart for staying awake this episode yeah
4: i did it
5: yeah you good did job,
4: paul. good job <laughs> did paul it. you're the re- you're the real hero
5: yeah there's gonna be sandman is gonna be in no way home but he was not present during this episode so <laughs>
1: well, he
5: did not make it a- he did not make a cameo no. paul where can people find you if they want to find you uh lively and awake and uh... <laughs> dude are you when is casper mattress is going to be a, a sponsor of your podcast <laughs> you can find me on
7: uh, Apple to Oranges uh, with Jess and June Cine Dudes with June and all that fun stuff So, we, and I'm usually awake I did fall asleep you know, it, it will make you happy when I was in Philly we did a live recording of Apple to Oranges and during that I did fall asleep because uh Jess's cat nuzzled up into my beard and it just put me right to sleep. So, <laughs> you're
5: not alone, sir. <laughs> I, uh, if I'm ever having a down day, Paul, it's always nice to know that you're, you're, <laughs> you're getting Z's. Yeah,
4: that made it worse, Paul. I, now we're not special. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you I'm had sorry. a better excuse that time. You had cute cat nuzzles. Like I, That made me feel worse, that anecdote. Oh no! Let's uh, take (laughs) (laughs) that.
7: No, no, and a big thank you to everyone that reached out to me the next day from Leftover Army. Thank you. It was very appreciated.
5: And listen to that man. Like fucking Paul falls asleep, and the whole world is worried about him. Jake. Yeah, I mean, what are friends for?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Jake was one of them. So thank you, Jake. I love you.
4: Yeah. Anytime.
5: I was I, I I was like I'm gonna wait for Paul to come to me, and I did. And I know oh, you did. You like at fucking six a.m. the next day. I know. <laughs> Paul Paul came to me like it was a fucking Godfather movie. He was like you know. He was he was like he was like kissing my ring. I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry, I thought, Brian. I felt so terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I just I just knew that you were going to feel terrible about it. And there's no reason to. It was it was a funny moment, man. It was a funny moment, and I think it worked out really well. And if you haven't, <laughs> uh, yeah, have you not listened back to it, Paul? No, I will never,
7: I will never <laughs> listen to that. You know, and like, I, like I hate to blow smoke, but you, you and Jake put so much time into these. That was the biggest thing. Like, like we were texting all day. Like, like all these great theories and notes, and ah, I just felt like a piece of shit. But <laughs> don't worry, it worked out. I guess I don't know. <laughs> don't
5: even sweat it, man. Joe, present. This is, this is where you say hey. <laughs> hey! <Yeah. laughs> hey! you like Krusty the Clown over there.
4: I know, nice. <laughs> <Cool>. Hey!
5: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Joe, uh, where can people find you? What have you been working on, man?
6: Uh, you can find me on Startcast, my long form conversation show that I do. i uh, been on a real kick lately, releasing new episodes every Saturday. Um, released one this morning, newest episode is with uh, Stephanie Chapman. And that was a blast.
5: I can't wait to listen to that. I started the uh, Stephen Farshid one, and uh, for everybody wondering who got me this Santor ornament, it was revealed on that episode. It was Stephen Farshid. <laughs> so, and I, I reached out to Stephen and I, I thanked him for the Santor ornament, and uh, it was pretty fucking hilarious uh, listening to that episode and and Stephen talking about that. It really, it really. No, I no, I listened to the whole thing. I listened to the uh, yeah, I listened to the entire episode that one and uh yeah it was it was it was, a, it was it was a great episode i really uh enjoy um i what I enjoyed about that one so much is the fact that you guys talked about so many different things, but there were things that you guys would talk about and you wouldn't always agree with and I loved that i and it wasn't you guys didn't get into fights or arguments about it. But you guys just like this is my point this is my I really enjoyed your dynamic with Steven on that episode talking about like the Marvel stuff it was great.
6: Well, thank you. Yeah, I love talking with that guy. He's he's always so much fun to have on the show.
5: Yeah. Um uh we'll be back next week with uh Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh the week after that guys uh we're going to be taking the week off for Christmas uh Christmas lands on a Saturday. That's the day we typically record. Unless, Jake, I mean, isn't that, our, uh, that Wednesday, aren't we getting a Hawkeye episode? Yeah, yeah, we are. Do you just want to do like a quick Hawkeye recap on like, wh- like, you know, Thursday or Friday or
4: something? Yeah, I'd be down. I'm definitely tied up all day Saturday, but yeah. if we could figure out, and probably Friday too, but if we could, probably squeeze it in on thursday i could make that happen
5: yeah yeah if we can get a guest we'll get a guest if we can't get a guest it was just me being uh me and jake just talking about the wrap-up of uh of hawkeye but that should be fun and then um we're going to come back and do a regular on usually the first episode of the new year we'll do the tupperwares the but uh the award award show for the best of uh 2021 but this week since we haven't had a regular episode that week, I, I want to just do a regular episode, and then uh, when we re- and then the one after that on the eighth is when we're going to do the awards show, because I I think people are just going to be ready for a regular episode, Jake.
4: Yeah, I agree. We shouldn't do back to back to back kind of special episodes. Uh, yeah, especially with Spider Man being next week after what we've done the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we fill in the gap with a regular episode. I agree. I agree.
5: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> and Jake went full Burgess Meredith penguin there.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 My fine feathered friends <laughs>
5: <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week.
7: See ya they're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that.
3: There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool
4: it's, it's a trap.
3: Do to toss it, do to do we love it? Hey, let's race it, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture, spittle over like a vulture, carry over. Counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's this say has already been said? Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, Leftovers. Originally good. I've already been done before, so we should. Separate the wheat from the chaff. And do the chaff. The crap. And no other shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the poor kids. It's a trap! toxic good and toss it, do, it, do, it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, embrace it, let and embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftover, uh, and with the uncool kids, what's to say is already been said. Leftover, uh, sure. only talent is the band that's singing this hot culture leftover. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party, subculture, spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. leftovers and the Uncool kids. What say say's already been said? leftovers
1: Pretty sure. And the only talent is the band that's singing. this pop culture
3: leftovers.